Everybody, welcome back. You know what time it is. It's time for some sideline sports. I am your host, Jake Malik. I got my two co-hosts with me. JB couldn't be here. So Eric Wilson, my man, stepping in to help take the lead this week. And John Shear, how are you both doing, gentlemen? Uh, I'm doing better than the Yankees are doing. You know what? We'll we'll save the hate comments for later. We have a special guest with us, Marcus Ogden. How are you doing, man? How you doing, Jay? How's everything going, man? It's it's great. You know what? You'll be nice to me at least. John is <laughs> John's coming out the gate fire, and he wants to be. Man, uh, I'm enjoying your like. You know what, John? Julius John, Caesar downfall. John, John, we will talk about that stuff later. I'm fine with that. But right now we got a guest, and we got to talk to our guest. We can't just. We'll, we'll 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 you know go back and forth and get after each other in a little bit. Sure. But, um, I, I'll start with this because I was I was uh, I was thinking about this before. You know, and and Marcus, I need you to tell me if this is true. Everybody mm-hmm. says, you know, Bills fans are a John. I'm sorry, I know you're a Dolphins fan. You don't want to hear this. You played for the Bills, so you would know, you know, better than any of us. I've heard Bills fans are probably like the craziest football fans out there. You spent a couple years on the Bills, so you obviously had some. Uh, some interesting moments, I'm sure, but are they as crazy as everybody says? Are they really as insane as we are, you know, seeing as they're advertised? Well, I won't say they're insane. They're not like the Raiders <laughs> fans, you know what okay. I mean? Back back when they were in Oakland, I can't speak sure. for the Las Vegas side, but the Bills fans are the most loyal fans. I will say, you know, okay. the Bills mafia—they do a lot. They are. Like, remember when Lamar Jackson got hurt, and the Bills mafia fans sure. raised like a quarter million dollars for his fund and all that, and they just love the team. Like it's a blue-collar city. You know, people are all about their sports teams. The Bills have a really good reputation of being a blue-collar team. I think, sure. well, I don't think I know, Jim Kelly, Andre Reid, Thurman Thomas, and those guys back in the early to mid-'90s kind of set the stage for that. And, you know, when I played there, I had J.P. Lossman. I had London Fletcher. I had Willis McGahee. I had, you know, my D-line, we had Sam Adams. We had Aaron Schobel. Uh, You know, we had some great guys. You know, uh, Chris Kelsey, you know, um, you know Ryan Dennehy, and – what we really excelled at was was really spending time with the community. So the Bills fans, man, they're not like psychotic, crazy, like, again, Raiders fans or Eagles sure. fans can be. But they're crazy they're, like they love their team. Exactly. They're very gotcha. loyal to the okay. team and they love all that kind of stuff. All right. So sure. they are. They're pretty, they're pretty accurate to how they're advertised because I feel like the way they're portrayed in media is they can't get enough of their team like the rest of us, but they are just. They love oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, they do. They love, they love, they love. Because, again, like I say, you know, you got to think, like, they've got the Buffalo Sabres, but there's no basketball team. It's really no, cold right. in Buffalo. It could be really depressing at times, you know, in the snow, stuff like that. <laughs> so they need something yeah. to get a, to rally around. And the Bills Definitely. give them that to, to rally around. Sure. So um, before you played for the Bills, funny enough, you actually played for the Ravens. If you, uh, if anybody that knows you knows that. But they also know you have a brother, Jonathan. And – Anybody that also knows anything about you and or him knows that he also played for the Ravens. Um, can you just talk about what that was like, not only growing up together, uh, I know you guys are a couple years apart, but still growing up together, playing football, but then also being on the same team together for a season, what was that like? Oh, it was great, man. Like learning the game from the best of the best is absolutely a privilege because a lot of things I had trouble with or issues with, he was able to help me with technique and understanding the game, leverage, you know, knee bend to angles to 
how to block better, how to keep your body aligned better, how to keep a good balance, you know, all these different things. You need to be a great lineman. I was able to learn from him and be able to put that into action during practice and games helped me out tremendously. And that's why I had almost a six year career in the NFL because of my brother and what I learned from him and how to be versatile and how to, you know, get along with your teammates. And, you know, I was everywhere I went, I had great relationships with guys. I mean, like Jaguars who drafted me and Ravens. And I had a great relationship with the guys from the Bills to the Titans. So, I mean, I talked to a lot of my teammates till this day. I mean, I have my own podcast. I've had on both Scape on my show with my old teammate from the uh, Titans. Uh, I've had, I'm, I'm talking right now with Fred Taylor. We're getting him on my show. He was my teammate with Jacksonville. Uh, I've had on my old teammate who's actually – the assistant head coach for the Baltimore Ravens, Anthony Weaver, was on my podcast. He was phenomenal, sensational. So those relationships that I built during my career, they are still very close to me to this day. Oh, that's awesome. So I'll, I'll turn to the guys. I want to – I'm sure they got some questions, Eric or John, either one of you. Yeah, so um, who was your favorite uh, – who was your favorite player that you – that you played with, like, do you? Besides, have, it's got to be besides your brother, though. Hold yeah, on. besides your no, brother. We, I mean, we that's can't give him that option. Course. That's too like, easy. Well, I mean, I thought that that was kind of like a given. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That seems nah. like the easy answer. No, nah, nah, no, it's not. The, the 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 answer is Ray Lewis. So playing with Ray Lewis, it's a whole new level of elevation. It's a whole new level of preparation, practice, performance. You know, getting out there, doing what you need to do in order to be great. It's kind of like, I can, it's kind of like imagine, I can't imagine this because I was never that talented at the sport, basketball, right? Playing with Michael Jordan, right? What was that like? It had to be phenomenal, sensational, had to just be next level greatness. Well, that's what it was like playing with Ray Lewis because he was next level greatness at the, at the position. I mean, you think about great middle linebacks in the National Football League history, you think of Ray Lewis, Dick Buckus, Ray Nitschke. I mean, yes, those are the names you think about, right? I mean, great Small middle linebackers. Great, yeah. yeah, I mean, the greats. I mean, like you're talking about like, the right. greats of the game. So to play with one of the greats, one of the legends of the game, it elevated you to the next level. Because if you weren't going to bring your A game, he was going to make you pay for it, just like anybody in the football field. But when you have legends like that, if you don't bring the best of the best, it's going to be a long day. So – Without a doubt, playing with the Ray Lewis, you know, and the Ravens was steps was absolutely my favorite person to play with. That's awesome. I, I he, he seems like a good dude. So I got to ask you: Was he as intense as again as he's advertised? It's similar to the the Bills, but he seemed like a dude that was no matter what he was doing. And I mean this: Was he in the locker room the same way? Was he always just that intense of a guy? All day, every day, all wow. day, every day, and that's what made him great because. You know, people say, you know, look, talk about buckets, you know, like anytime he stepped on the football field, he was going to hit you, right? That's just the way it was. And that's just what he did. Ray Nitschke, we interviewed on our podcast, uh, my old coach, NFL quarterback, great Ken Anderson, talking about how when he played for the Bengals, he played against Ray Nitschke his rookie year and how Ray was like, you know, trying to put fear into him and trying to, you know, get him out of his game. And, you know, he was going to hit you. If you were anywhere around Ray Nitschke, He's going to hit you. That's the way it is. And so that's exactly what Ray Lewis brought. You know, that just every second of the day intensity is what made him so great. Wow. Um, so Ray Lewis, and just to keep talking about it, because you say you, you, you clearly rave about him. So I want to know how he affected you in some ways. He could read a defense. It looked like 
nobody else. Is there anything he ever gave to you as an offensive player? You know, like, hey, I noticed when this, you know, when when it's, when a center does this, I know, you know, I know whatever, right? Did he ever give you any of those little tips that he notices from his side of the ball to help you avoid making, you know, I don't want to say a mistake, but doing something that would give something to away to the defense or or help the defense in any way? Yeah, because you can give away tendencies if you don't have, if you don't keep a balanced stance, you don't keep everything in motion and, you know, all these different types of things. And that's exactly what great teammates should do is they should educate you on what you're doing incorrectly or giving away so that in a game you can fix that. You can tighten it up. And that's all it was in that regard. So, I mean, there were were a lot of guys like that. Ray Lewis was great at that. Uh, Another great guy that was great at that was London Fletcher with Buffalo. I played with him, middle linebacker, great guy. You know, London was not the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, but he always was in the right position. He knew the game. And because of that, preparation and made him another great player that I played with. You know, another great one I played with was Laurie Malloy. Laurie Malloy is another great guy. The strong safety that always knew what was happening. He could read offenses. He could read coverages. He could read, you know, uh, alignments and where guys were going to go. So you're talking about being around some of the best of the best in their profession. It just makes you understand how much work goes into being a great player in the National Football League. Oh, that's awesome, man. It- it's it's crazy to think you played with some really some of the greatest players of all time, man. I mean, oh yeah, I played I played with Ray Lewis, I played with Ed Reed, I played with Terrell Suggs, I played with you know yeah. London Flesher, I played with my brother, I played with Fred Taylor, um, I played with you know another guy, he was another great one. Uh, he's well, he was really really great back in the early nineties. Hugh Douglas, you know, at the end of his career, I played with Hugh Douglas in Jacksonville. I played with the big boys in the middle, John Henderson and Marcus Stroud. I played with Albert Hainsworth. Um, you know, I played with, you know, just, you know, uh, a young, but he became a really good player, Michael Griffin. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's, you know, uh, just some greats, man. I mean, really and truly just, you know, I played with, you know, Eric Moles, who was a great receiver with the Buffalo. So, I mean, just being around some phenomenal guys, man. And I played with Jason Peters, who's actually just signed with the Cowboys. Yeah. And Jason, Jason, Eric, I had, I had, that's kind of hurt, huh? I had a locker right beside him. You know what I mean? And so, I'm very, you know, I don't say I'm surprised they signed him. You know, I, I know, you know, for Jason, he's a phenomenal player. So, you know, I just don't know if Jason is going, what's what's going to be the role? Is he going to start at tackle? They have a rookie day. I don't know what round that rookie was they drafted or the ta- they've got right now. And Well, I think you know, he's I'm, in. I think he's in to replace Tyron Smith, who that's the, that's they still probably going to miss the season. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Tyron Smith, man, like if I'm him, I think I think it's time to shut it down, man. Like, I mean, that poor guy, dude. You know, he's every, going to the like, Hall of Fame, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At this time, just shut it down, man. Like, you know, he's had so many injuries, man, back to neck to now hamstring. Like, I mean, it's just gotta be. Just, I mean, I mean, he hasn't had a a full year in a couple of years, so. They have some kid at rookie left tackle right now. There was I don't know if he was drafted, whatever. They're going to start him this week against I think against the Bucks, which is going to be a great test. But you know, Jason is going to be a good player for them. I just don't know what role they're looking at and then how durable he's going to be at forty. But hey, man, you know I wish him all the luck in the world, man. Because if somebody wants to sign you and continue to play, you can pick up a paycheck, man. You go and do it. You, you, yeah. you go. You go and do it. Marcus, that brings up a great question because, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, players sometimes playing past that point, but we've seen it happen for so long. You know, as an athlete, 
you feel you're invincible until you get that one true hit. But then mentally, you're still like, no, I can still go because you watch the game, you know, and understand the game. So it's like I can still produce at a high level. And, you know, for the Tyron Smiths of the world, and even I'll go so far as to say Jason Peters, which, listen, Jake, real talk. When you leave Philadelphia and go somewhere else, guess what? I thank you for your service, but let's move on. <laughs> if you want to go to the hated enemy, hey, that's your hey, choice. You get the paycheck. I understand that. But, uh, Marcus, my question to you is, you know, for for you as an NFL player, when did you have your epiphany, your aha moment of, okay, you know what? It's time for me to truly transition to the next chapter of my life. That's a great question, man. So I remember I was out, I retired, I was 28, and then I got into business. And then I remember I was 32. I just moved to Raleigh. I was broke, lost everything, tried to get my life back together. I called my old director of pro personnel, John Guy, when I was in Buffalo, gave him a call, went down to Florida, did a workout, all this stuff, put some stuff together for some NFL teams. Like I hadn't played in like four or five years and shot some stuff out. And Got a couple of little interesting bites, but nothing ever stuck. And then I remember I played some indoor football here in Raleigh. That I remember I ended up going. Uh, somebody from the CFL called me from Saskatchewan. Called me. Uh, Is that Russ coach, Landy? Just I'm just uh, asking. The the Rough Riders, yeah. So like you know, okay. so I was like, you know, I was like, okay. So the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and I'm like, all right. Gave me a call. They went. They brought me down to camp in Dodger Town. Wanted me to come play tackle for them. All this other type of stuff and. After camp was over, man, I was like, no, I took probably, you know, damn near 250 to 500, you know, one-on-one pass rush reps the entire, like the entire, like two days. Like it was just one-on-one pass rush reps, no team drills. It was crazy. And then finished. And I was actually, at the time I was 36 and I was the oldest guy out there. And, you know, I was, I was doing really well against the guys, but then I said, man, you know, where am I going with this? Like, okay, I'll go to CFL, play for like what? 40 grand, 50 grand Canadian, and get taxed there, get taxed here. Like, I'm not going to go to the NFL. Yeah, I'm 36 years old. I've been out for too long. You know, what am I going to do with this? And so I ended up not going to Saskatchewan. I was like, man, like, this is not going anywhere. Like, I need to move on with my life. I need to pay attention to my in my and at the time my speaking business i got my first paid job about a year the year before like 2000 uh you know 16 so it's like right at that time 16 17 i went to saskatchewan's camp so i just got my first paid speaking job had a little bit of success and i was like ah what i want to do but it wasn't anything like i'm doing today i say you know what i can't do this i can't go back and forth like i can't drop speaking and try to go play football and go and where am i gonna go and so the nfl's out this is this not going to work. So at that time, that's when I said, okay, I was 36 years old. I just turned down Saskatchewan after camp in Flo- Dodgertown, Florida. I said, yep, it's go ahead. It's time for me to move on. And so that's what I did. But again, everybody's got to have that epiphany because if you try to do the game too long, and that's the only thing I worry about with Jason, right? I mean, he's 40. I don't know what kind of shape he's in. Uh, I don't know how his body is going to hang, you know, going out there and doing it. But, you know, we'll just have to see how it goes. But I just, I just don't want him to go out there and get hurt or not play to a high level like he did for his entire career 
And then they say, oh, you should have walked away. You should have been, you know what I'm saying? Because like people always say, oh, you should have done, you should have done that. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. But still, I don't want someone's legacy to be left at that. Like, you should have walked away. You should have not come back. You know what I'm saying? Because no, you know, no player wants to hear that. Like, oh, why'd you come back? You know, when you're older, like, damn, man. When you're like, when you're six, like, why did I go back at 40? Like, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> so I just hope that he stays healthy because that's the only thing I worry about him at that age. But he was definitely one of the more elite tackles when he played in, at his prime. So hopefully he can hold up for a year and, again, you know, go to the Cowboys and, you know, at least help him out in some regard. Yeah. So yeah. I, I want to transition really quick. Um, can you talk to me about the success cycle? Because yeah, I mean, yeah. that is your book. And yeah. I'm really curious, you know, it, you talk about achieving your goals, both on the business and personal side. So again, where did this come from? And more importantly, what drew you to create such a, you know, bestseller and, you know, you're an international speaker, by the way, shout out to Howard university. I always want to promote the HBCUs, you know, when we're talking to people, but when did all of that begin to really come together for you? It started in 2013 when I wanted to speak that I wrote my first book. It was published in 2015. Then the success cycle came about in 2018. I started thinking about what got me to the point of success. It was ambition, drive and hard work repeat. And then we wrote the success cycle and that helped us out tremendously i had a really great talk actually today with a major league professional baseball team prominent you know one of the more prominent teams in the major league baseball about speaking for them and maybe even possibly doing some consulting as a diversity and inclusion consultant for them which would be huge for our career and our brand and they were talking about the success second they were going to order the book her and she's the director of HR and their president of operations. We're going to read the book and then I'm going to talk to them on my birthday about consulting for them next year with their minor league players and their 40 man roster and their leadership team and all that. And it really stung, I mean, really stemmed from, excuse me, the book and all I was talking about with ambition, drive, hard work. And then I got into some different things I speak on, like leadership, diverse equity inclusion sales and marketing, you know, so on and so forth. And she really loved it. So I'm That's very awesome. optimistic that, and it's interesting, this team is in a, from what she told me, a very racially divided town. So having someone as an HBCU grad, you mentioned I'm a Howard grad, actually, I'm actually getting inducted to Howard's Athletic Hall of Fame in, uh, in uh, next, well, actually this month, September 30th, for their Hall of Fame, which is amazing because I go from thinking about careers over after high school, one scholarship offered to college, to go to Howard, become a four-year starter, their first and only O-line ever drafted in the NFL, still to this day. And without Howard, I'm not where I am today. So I'm so excited for that to come up here in September, September 30th. But the point I'm making is, is that, you know, everything stems from, you know, I'm the kind of guy that's a real but HBCU guy. I'm from the hood of DC. I got out. I went to college. I got in NFL, I built a business, lost a business, came back, all these things. And so they feel that could be a real good staple piece to kind of really connect with people, African-Americans in that community because they're trying to get more African-Americans to support this organization. That's awesome. That's that's fantastic. So um, John or Eric, any other questions before we let, you, before we let Marcus go? No, any any um anything else that you would like to promote? Any social media sites that you have? You know, yeah. Where where can the people find? Where you? can they find? Yeah, you? 
They can go to our website, www.marcusmarquesogden.com. You can also put me on Instagram at Marcus Ogden, TikTok at Marcus Ogden 71, LinkedIn Marcus Ogden, uh, Facebook Marcus Ogden. But we also have a podcast. It's called Get Authentic with Marcus Ogden. We launched June 22nd of this year. Six weeks after launch, we were in the top 2% worldwide most listened to podcasts in the industry. We have, we've had on athletes, current athletes, retired athletes, basketball, baseball, football, entrepreneurs. We had on a guy today, one of the most world-renowned, famous photographers and artists, David Drebin out of uh, New York, who came on. And David's got artwork and photography all across the world in different galleries and art museums and he's just a phenomenal guy he's on our show like it's just it's it's so diverse it's kind of like the joe rogan show you never know who's coming on but everybody has an authentic story and because of that we've been able to grow to that regard as one of the most successful podcasts in the industry that's only two and a half well basically about two and a half months old so we're excited for the future and they can go on apple spotify google iheart stitcher youtube again Get Authentic with Marcus Ogden is the name of our show. Oh, that's awesome. Marcus, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. you. Appreciate it. All right. John, there was something you wanted to talk about. I I don't know. Well, first, you go on with what you want to say, and then I will transition what I want to say. No, that's fine. So for the the viewers at home, (laughs) Um, John, myself, JV, who's not here, um, and a couple other people that uh, we all know are in a fantasy football league. Um, and one of the people who is on this network, Jacob Christner, is a very smart guy when it comes to sports and talking about them. He's a great guy. So I preface all of this by saying Jacob is a great guy. You should check out the Pundit's Pundit. He is a very smart person. There is no questioning whether or not he's smart. With all of that said, I may, have seen fan, so let's the, not go the, too crazy. I may have seen the most silly and useless set of moves in fantasy football today. And I had to bring it up. And I, I bring it up because I, I, I'm so dumbfounded. I, I, I want everybody to hear what happened. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. So it's a two quarterback league. So I have, and, and I want to, pr- I want to jump in Jake. And yeah. if anybody has any, uh, any stories they want to share of their fantasy, oh, you know, crazy trades. Like, oh, please make yeah. sure you check out our Twitter. Go to sideline sport one. Leave a Drop, comment. Matt is always, yeah. Matt's always posting about fantasy oh, yeah. football in there. So make sure you drop some comments on there. Share that Matt is always and JT yes. are behind the scenes guy. They are big on the fantasy. So yes. they will definitely reply to you and they reply very quick. Anyway, go yeah. on Jake. Yeah, so yeah. So draft happened the other day and I'll be honest. It, so it's a two quarterback league. My team looked fantastic, minus my secondary quarterback. I had Matt Stafford. was very happy. I was cool with that. But Daniel Jones was my second quarterback. So, <laughs> admittedly, I was very upset because Daniel Jones stinks. Fantasy yeah, why did you pick him up? I had no choice, Eric. Literally, no, he was No, you always best. have a choice, Jake. No. You always Eric, have Eric, a choice. Eric, I had the options of him, Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky, uh, Zach Wilson. I had Eric. I had nobody. And I, no, is starting, so at least you would get something with Mitch. I didn't know that starting. yet. 
And that Eric, I have out. Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. So, I mean, I but had a choice of anyway, getting those anyway, two. I, admittedly, I was going to get Matt Ryan, and I was perfectly happy with Matt Ryan. However, he was taking the pick before mine when it happened. But besides the point. So, I traded Kareem Hunt and Chris Godwin in exchange for another quarterback Jameis. as well as a wide receiver, Jameis. Jameis Winston and Robert Woods. It's not my favorite trade, but I have a deep wait, 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 receiver wait, wait. core. Jake, 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 I'm what? sorry. I, I, I hate to cut you off. <laughs> you traded away – Kareem Hunt. Correct. This is going to get so much worse, Eric. And who? And Chris Godwin. My number one two, my number one and two receiver are Tyree yeah, Kill. So and you traded them away for Jameis Winston. Correct. And Robert Woods. Correct. Hey, hey. when you have Tyree uh, Kill and Debo Samuel as receivers one and two, wait, I don't think I, you need Chris Godwin. I that never much. thought I would Martin. I never thought I would do this. I really <laughs> never thought I would do this. Hey. With the market dictated wow. Jake needing uh, his John, desperation. John, I, I had no appreciate options. me. You're going to appreciate me more than you ever have in about three seconds. Ready? <laughs> Jake Malik, you yeah! no. Eric, are out of You order. wait. Yeah. You wait to hear the rest of the story, though, because it gets worse somehow. So, look, I made it. What is I this? Made, hold my beer? What, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. This this admittedly was a. I wish trade, JB was. Partially out of desperation. I'll admit it. I needed a quarterback. I didn't have a choice. But that's not the worst part. So, Jacob, who receives this trade, then says to John, after John this morning picked up Daryl Henderson, who is really the 1B running back in the Rams offense. Sean McVay has come out and said that Jacob has Cam Akers. So, John says, let's trade Kareem Hunt. For Daryl Henderson, Jacob gets the handcuff. I understand the trade. It makes sense. It's fine. Jacob has an extra bench spot. Because I have bench. Nick Chubb, so I needed right. insurance. So it makes sense. Their trade, fine. So Jacob picks up A.J. Green to fill his last bench spot. Why he chooses to do that, I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It's a personal choice. Whatever. He already has two tight ends. I'd like you to know this. He has Pat Frymuth. <laughs> And uh, Mike Gusecki. This and is Gusecki's the backup, by the way. And, and, and it doesn't really matter who's who. But hold on. You ready for this one, Eric? Jacob yeah, decides. I'm, I'm, I'm all ears Jacob decides, this. I'm going to take Daryl Henderson, who I just traded for, and drop him so I can pick up Robert Tunyon, my third tight end on my team. Why did he trade Kareem Hunt away for Daryl Henderson in order to literally in just order get to rid cut of him the that next same minute? guy? What? It, what? I, look. My trade may not have been the best trade. It was out of desperation. I can explain my my choices. I can't understand why one person needs three tight ends and trades away a running back for another running back to just drop him. See, I can't fathom what the point of that move was. See, Eric, have you ever like watched uh, a movie, like a medieval days movie where, you know, the king or whatever – it's just watching the peasants squabble amongst each other and beat each other up. All right, John. I'm the king. They're the peasants just beating each other up down there. And I'm just enjoying this from my perch. John, just hanging I'm out. not involved in this squabble stuff. Just my I think, little. So, I, I, I'm just enjoying watching okay. Jacob implode. Let me let me say this. And I, you know, I will defend the pundits pundit on your three tight ends here. In a league that we know to be past happy. I think if we look at red zone efficiency, I think primarily you could say that the tight end is going to be the individual who is going to get you the points with regard to red zone efficiency. Uh, Now, that may not always be the case, but 
I feel there are those who are going to, if it's third and four and you know that your wide receiver one and two are pretty much going to get locked down, you've got your slot, you've got your tight end. So your tight end's a little bigger than maybe some of these, you know, linebackers or corners or safeties. So you might be able to pound your way in if you need him to go a couple of yards. So I can understand it. I don't agree with it, but I can at least understand it. But yes, why he would take a wide, take a running back to then trade for another running back only to drop said running back. That to me, I, I think we need to ask the pundits pundit this coming Thursday. What was no, your so, mindset so his, so when it, you made this decision? So he explained to me that he, he doesn't did. believe in Joe, he doesn't believe in Jacoby Bursett, and he thinks okay. that there will be no offense in which, Cleveland, which, which John, means give me, give I me guess Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb won't be very yeah, good this so, year. And Eric, I just want to say this to you because I was part of this conversation. I heard it. If that's how he feels, which while I disagree, Why trade for he's guy? entitled to his opinion. Why did he trade for Kareem Hunt in my From original you. trade? What was the point of doing that? Trade bait. I fail to understand. Right, and let's bring J- can we bring JT on? Because he seems to be a fantasy guy. Let's ask him uh, sure. a little bit of is JT around? Is he is he available yeah, back there? Because sure. he's a fantasy guy. He wanted to talk a little fantasy. Yeah, so JT, you've heard on, all this. What are your thoughts on this um, madness? Well, I gotta say my peasant squabbling. So the original pickup of Kareem Hunt, I'm here for. <laughs> I gotta say, I originally had him in as one of my uh keep away picks for the year, but um but it's Kareem Hunt. He's a productive running back. You know, he obviously has what he needs in the tank, especially if he's just gonna be you know, a reserve guy is going to ride the bench for your fantasy. Exactly. Time. There's no reason to make a you trade like that, especially this early, to then just dump them off. It seems kind of ludicrous to me. But I was thinking when you were first explaining, it, I was thinking kind of what Eric said. Maybe it was just like a like a bait type <laughs> move or something. Like he was, he has absolutely no value, so he doesn't want anybody to have him. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I, I'll just be honest. I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna pick Henderson back up, and he's gonna go right back. You're over not gonna me. get him, John. <laughs> you have no. Like, my waiver. My waiver pick is before yours, and I, I already put say, claim. Like, of course, I, I put the opportunity. I'm gonna do the same thing John, I just did. John, who wouldn't yeah. take Daryl Henderson? What's the worst that happens? There's, there's no losing in picking him up. No. Why Jacob would get rid no. of him is something I can't understand. I mean, once I heard that this guy cut the guy that I traded him. I was like, well, why don't I just go pick the same guy back up and then, you know, try exactly. and trade him again for more value? Yeah. 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 No, I and, mean, listen, I completely agree. I just, like I said, I think we need to ask the pundits, pundit this Thursday. Please explain funny. your mindset to us so that we have that some understanding. Like, change our minds because in all of our minds, we're thinking to ourselves, that didn't make sense. There has to be a method to your madness. What is it? Eric, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. <laughs> last year, he was one of the worst teams in our fantasy league. I was okay. last place, and I'll tell you why I was last place. Because if John remembers, did you pick Daniel Jones? Happened- I mean, no, <laughs> no. There were there were consolation bracket playoff games that I didn't know I was even involved in, so I ended up losing like three games in a row because I had no idea that those were supposed to happen because I already lost my playoff matchup, so I thought I was out. So I ended up losing three straight games, not knowing I had to play them. So, of course, I end up in last place. Can somebody change his fault, name to is... Fernando Tatis? All right, hold on. Hold on. Like, I'm about to admit, that's my fault. That's fine. But Jacob was just the worst team. Like, he never made the playoffs to begin with. 
he just stunk from the beginning and only avoided last place. He did score the least of, amount of points in the Exactly. Like, like he, he avoided last place because I made stupid mistakes. And I'll admit, I made a stupid mistake. But, but he it was, was also a free team. league, so like, right, like whatever. you might not he's, pay attention as much. He stinks. I'm going to say it. He stinks. And I'm happy to take advantage. All right, well, fellas, before I before I hop back off, thanks very very much for having me on, yeah. real quick. I gotta say, this is my this is technically my first podcast appearance ever, so hopefully first of many. But it is the first of many. You will definitely be involved in a lot more than just tonight. All right, okay. yeah. Today's so, the first step. But I got. Yeah. I'll leave you with this analogy. It sounds like that trade that we were talking about, Daryl Henderson, Kareem Hunt to then drop for Robert Tunyon is kind of like uh, Jake's quarterback, Daniel Jones's big play <laughs> last year where he had the 80-yard break. I'm just going to remove JT because I don't want to hear it. I am not here to slander, <laughs> sir. Yeah, goodbye. You, are, goodbye. You, you come on my show and you – watch yourself, John. Yeah, watch that, yourself. sir. That's sir JT. Yeah, you're done. You're out of order. Goodbye. That's not how we do. I respect. Hey, he's first out of order. I'm proud of him. I respect his his ballsiness to come say that, but absolutely not. I am not here for the slander. Now, John, you were telling us before the show there was a topic you wanted to talk about. Okay, so so we're talking Kareem Hunt and these wacky trades and whatnot. All right. So I thought of a trade scenario today because part of the reason why I'm happy to get Kareem Hunt is not just the insurance policy on Nick Chubb. But I think that this guy is going to end up getting traded. Like he wants traded. Yeah. Cleveland needs to get I, some value. They need John, to get draft picks. They trade away a lot to get Watson. Yeah, John. So I'll be honest what, with you. I, I have Kareem Hunt in multiple leagues. I'm I'm all on the hype with him. I agree. Right. So so I, I'm with you. You're right. Here's a scenario because this guy's already on his way out the door. He's already barely keeping his job at running back, and this offense is super dynamic at least on paper because we haven't really seen it with their new addition with at Sean Watson they can be dynamic you're right no but he's a bad I mean Kareem Hunt's backing up Nick Chubb like, he's never going to get the full-time job but I'm saying I'm okay. saying the Cleveland offense can be dynamic right with Deshaun but Watson. but right. on this guy's new team in my scenario if you get rid of the guy that's already on his out the way the way out the door if you get rid of Josh Jacobs and you go and get Kareem no. Hunt and you put him on the Raiders with Devontae Adams Hunter John, Redford, I got a better Aaron one for Waller you. I got oh a my goodness, you. they are the best team possibly no, in that division. John, I will tell you there's an even better option. Now, this is contingent on a rookie running back that I have not yet to see play. So if this running back turns out to be great, I wouldn't make this trade. But if I'm the Buffalo Bills and James Cook is not as good as we hope, there is no doubt you should add Kareem Hunt. There is zero reason you could possibly tell me that they shouldn't. They're already a Super Bowl contender. And to add a guy like Kareem Hunt, they'd finally have the running back they've been looking for. They'd have everything they need, even if they keep James Cook to, oh, yeah. you know, to, it, to be a goal line guy. I'd Cook rather have a, Kareem Cook, Hunt. Cook is a big physical guy. So if they want him to be the, the, the yeah. goal line guy, fine. But Kareem Hunt can run the ball. He is he fast. He's got great hands and you know maneuverability. I'm telling you, the Buffalo Bills should be going after him. And they really don't have to give up that much, I don't think. I think they can get away with a pretty, you know, realistically a low trade for a high value player. I like the idea of trading. I, I like that idea. I agree. I think the Buffalo Bills for me make by far the most sense. It would just, you know, what, John, what's the one thing that, you know, of course, JB's not here. What is, what is the one thing we've said about the Buffalo Bills constantly? They need a running back. If you add you have Hunt, no faith in Devin Singletary is what you're basically telling me. Not at all. None. You have no faith in him. 
As the starting back, no. If it's backed by committee, sure. But but like, could you imagine? Like, I don't, I don't. I've thought about this a lot. I don't understand why teams aren't inquiring about Kareem Hunt. Um, Well, I can answer that. I think I can answer that because instead of keeping stuff, instead of keeping stuff in house, instead of going to upper management and his agent and saying to them, "Listen, we have a situation here." And I would like to find a way to no longer be a part of the situation. Right. He broadcasted it. And the minute you broadcast your dirty laundry, teams out there are like, we don't need, nor do we want that headache. We don't care how good you right. are. There is a certain format that really, people need Really? Because Deshaun Watson went to the Browns in that same scenario, right? The Browns same are an exception to a, I'm not disagreeing a, with you, John, but we team. both know – the quarterback position is held in higher regard than the running back position. Right. Running backs are basically, you are good for about three, four years. I was going to say three then, to five year rentals. That's what they yeah, are. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's what you uh, are. Unless you and are. My question is if Kareem Hunt is so good, why is he not winning the starting job against Nick Chubb? Well, Nick Chubb is. Fantastic in his own right, like they're I'm, both. But, but they're that's both not answering my question. Back. Okay, but, then, but why is Nick Chubb still getting the nod if they're supposed to be both these great running backs, which I feel they both are? Why oh, is yeah. Nick Chubb still getting the nod? Answer me, riddle me that one, Batman. I mean, they both get touches. <laughs> they both are efficient. But, but Nick Chubb is still your RB one. But like th- this is the same thing I didn't understand when Cleveland obtained Kareem Hunt. I said the same thing I'm saying now, like. Why aren't teams inquiring about getting Kareem Hunt? Like, I understand the off the field things. I understand all that. But this is a National Football League. Like, let's be honest. Nobody cares about any of the off the field stuff. They say they do because of they say face and because of PR. But none of these, the, all they care about is winning and money. That's it. John. Like, none of these teams really care about any of this. Actually. So, if that's like, the case, I'm just being honest. That's your, no, listen, if that's the case and that's the argument that you want to stand on tonight here on Sideline Sports, then my question to you is, why did he go to Cleveland? You know, you're talking about why didn't these other teams inquire about him? And, and JT, I'll get to you in a moment. But, John, you still haven't answered my question. If I think Kareem he went to Hunt and Nick Chubb are, no, are on the same, if we keep them equally, for on-the-field production, why is Nick Chubb still getting the RB1? Why is he getting that title, John? It's his job. I mean, they're both. I mean, Kareem Hunt still gets touches, but he doesn't. But get But Kareem up. Hunt is supposed to be as good, if not albeit better, in some cases. They're, should he not be the RB one? They're both extremely dynamic. Right. Let me let me help John real quick. Nick Chubb is a better pure runner. Nick Chubb is very physical. So when you need, you know, a, a straight run up the middle, you're not going to Kareem Hunt. You're going to Nick Chubb. When you're in passing downs, which is where Kareem Hunt gets put in more, where you would like to pass the football as a checkdown, even. That is where Kareem Hunt has been implemented. That's why I said when I said what I said, which was about the Bills was James Cook would be your guy if he's as, even if he's half as good as I expect. You can use Singletary; it doesn't matter. They're both more physical, I believe, than Kareem Hunt. Make them your physical back. Have Kareem Hunt be your, you know, two to three down back where you can use him in the passing game. John is missing that point of saying that Kareem Hunt is not a great physical back as compared to Nick Chubb, who is, a, is extremely physical but doesn't catch the ball. That's why he doesn't have a starting job. And Eric, you asked, you asked about why he went to Cleveland. It's because you gotta, you gotta rebuild your image. 
So he went there, much like when a quarterback, at, like like Jameis, he went to he went to the Saints to kind of rebuild his image. Different circumstance, but he went there to rebuild his image as a quarterback, try and build up a little bit of credibility, try and learn things like that. Players do that. So Kareem Hunt, I believe, ultimately went there to do that. I believe it happened, but now he's stuck there. I don't think he's stuck there. I mean, he he's stuck there as like the you know, one B to the one A of Nick Chubb. Right. But now well, he wants out because he's like, okay, it's time. Like I want a job. I don't understand. Like once you rebuild your image, why you didn't just ask out immediately? Why teams aren't calling about this guy? Because if because you're, he's, because John, because he's ahead of you. Why? Because no, but, he's the but guy making it public instead but, of going through it. The private but if you're way. the Buffalo Bills, Eric, are you calling about this guy and saying, they might be John. We don't know if they are. No, I'm just saying. Maybe I don't like, want that headache, John. Maybe I don't want that. Maybe I don't want hey, that headache. As an if owner, teams were calling, we would have heard about it, right? Not okay. necessarily. With, with all the news all right. that comes out, with all the reporting, I don't know, John. Social media. You want me to call? Listen, John. You want me to call Mookie real quick and ask him? Yes. I'll call Mookie. All right, I, I I'll call Mookie. Y'all keep I mean, going. I don't want the bills I'll, to get I'll call hunt, Mookie. No, no. But if Bills get hunt, what did you? You know, you had the audacity to come at me before. So watch your step. What did you have to say? Uh, yeah, so I just kind of, as a Cleveland guy born and raised, I'm out in Pennsylvania now, but uh, Cleveland's my team. So I feel like if, if you just kind of take a step back from each of those players' individual you know, stats, their off-the-field stuff, anything, anything that comes with either of them, when you take the role that each of them has, I think they brought in Kareem Hunt to basically make it a dynamic running back tandem when they made that one of the best in the league. And um, I think that over the course of the last two, three years, however long it's been that we've had both of them, that they established that, that Nick Chubb is going to be, you know, in the, in the running for top five, top 10 running back every year. And Kareem Hunt's going to be the kind of more versatile guy who can pop out and catch, catch routes and stuff like that uh, and excel in, in pass route or pass catching in, in ways Nick Chubb can't because he's just so, you know, explosive and, and, and just a bigger body. So, I think it all just depends on when what you're looking at is the Cleveland ownership point of view, and you just want guys in both ways. And yeah, honestly, I I saw I I heard all of your guys' arguments. I was just trying to analyze it all. I hear good things from all three of you guys. Eric saying that there is the off field issues. He's trying to like him making it public is kind of you know it's a no no. I like I said I had him on my preseason like stay away from list as far as fantasy is concerned, but. He's a great player, and I think if you just keep him in the Browns, you know, scheme, that it's going to just continue to excel as it has the last couple of years. Okay. Eric, what do you got? Uh, he wasn't available. I left him a message, but um, I also sent him a text just asking him point blank. I said, listen, we're talking on Sideline Sports here tonight, and we're having a conversation about Kareem Hunt. I said, to your knowledge, have the Bills inquired to Cleveland for trading for Kareem Hunt. So if I get a message during the show, I'll make sure I relay it to all of us here tonight on Sideline Sports. Okay. Well, all right. So, John, was that what you wanted to talk about with fantasy? Yes, was that yeah, your... I, I, I just thought of that scenario, the scenario of the Raiders obtaining a better back than Josh Jacobs, having a guy like Kareem Hunt to go along with all the other weapons. My gosh, how would you stop that offense if they had a real running back? Because let's face it, Josh Jacobs is washed up. He's done. Like, no more Josh Jacobs. I'm done with Josh Jacobs. Wow. You get a guy like right. Kareem Hunt, in addition to those other weapons, I don't so, see how you stop that. The defense you, isn't very good, but the offense is dynamic. What makes you think Josh Jacobs is washed up? I'm just uh, curious. Josh Jacobs is 
cooked. I mean, this I'm guy's just, just not. What about him? Not the same guy that he was a couple years. Like I'm, I'm just, done with Josh Jacobs. He's so on his way out the door already. Up. So John is already writing off a 23-year-old. I'm okay. writing so John, him off. John, I'm with you, do you know how many Jacobs. seasons? Do you know how many seasons he's played in the NFL? He's cooked. He's played three. Do you know how many yeah. seasons he's had over a thousand yards from scrimmage, meaning passing yards that he's caught or rushing yards? Three. Man. Three seasons, baby. That's it. Last year he didn't rush for as many yards. He rushed for about uh yeah, a little over hundred eight a little over eight hundred and fifty. While the two previous seasons he rushed for over a thousand. But last year he also had his highest receiving season with almost three hundred and fifty yards compared to two thirty eight in twenty twenty and hundred and sixty six in 2019. John, Look, if I don't really see how a guy that's averaging over a thousand yards per scrimmage is There's reports already that you might lose your job and you're, you're as I good don't, as you say you are. What, 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 Who's he losing are, his job to, John? Kenyon Drake? Already reports that from what? That he's find him. Stop on the talking verge of losing them. his job. Stop talking and go find them. Whoever they because got behind him, apparently. Nobody. They, 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 there's there's no chance. John, who are they losing? Does Amir White, Brandon Bolden, Amir Abdullah? Uh, it seems it seems that Josh Jacobs could be on his way out of John, Vegas. John, can you find these They could be as fed up as just, I am with them. John, John, do me a favor. Find these these articles that you're discussing instead of pulling out of your butt. Call Phil Jones and ask Phil. Phil will tell you. Call Cause, Phil. Because there's no chance. Call the unfiltered truth. And find out from him what's going on with Josh Jacobs. Since you oh, want to be no so, chance. I'm so pro Raiders right now. I thought your team was Miami. Really I, I, I'm a football fan, and I ca- I pay attention yeah, to yeah. all things football. No, you Not don't. Just, you pay attention to the Dolphins. I'm a dol- I'm a football lifer, a Dolphins yeah, lifer. I love it all. I've been behind the scenes for like a month and a half, listening to John and Jake's and JV's takes primarily, oh. and I've got to say, John JT, is the first person ever to. Uh, to you know, cut the cut the rope on a guy if he's 23 years old, 33 years old, and still mashing home runs. He's going to he's going to call it quits on a guy before anybody else thinks about it. Yeah, before anybody does. All right, John. I would have survived the Titanic before any of you three. Just oh throwing that out there. No, you wouldn't. What? I would have jumped not, ship John, before any of John, you. John, I'm not letting you. I'm well, not letting you right. on my door. Okay, you're gonna have to hold my hand I'm, and I'm put your body life in raft. And you can go get All right. your own. Alright. We got about ten minutes here, gents. Um I, I don't know how we haven't brought this up yet, but it's probably like the biggest news of the past week. It only happened, I believe, five days ago. Are we not gonna talk about Donovan Mitchell getting traded out of Utah? I mean, Utah looks like they might be one of the smartest teams I've ever seen with the amount of picks you they've they've accumulated from literally just two players. Between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, they have acquired a monstrous number of picks. They have set themselves up for the future so well. I, I look. I, I don't know how this wasn't brought up already. I mean, they are like, they're they're just they're killing it. I mean, I get they're losing stars, but you lose two stars and they've acquired. I don't even. Uh, I don't even know how many picks now. I have to find. It, but uh, here you go. To be fair, they, they didn't have anything else. That's, that's my point. They have three first round picks in Donovan Mitchell trade alone. They got 25, 27, 29. I mean, as as well as getting Colin Sexton, who they've already signed to a new deal. Um, Utah might be one of the smartest teams I've ever seen. I, I got to be honest. 
You got two disgruntled stars, and you turn it into Colin Sexton and a bunch of picks. I mean, the Rudy Gobert good trade was just, I mean, they fleeced wow. him. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they are, I mean, have you ever seen a rebuild like this? This is, I mean, unbelievable. Seen the not not to this level. Not to no. this level. I haven't seen a, a rebuild, to answer your uh, question, Jake. Yeah. But at the same time, what they originally had, we already knew what they were. They were a adequate regular season team. They did enough to put themselves in position exactly. to make the playoffs. And then after that, it was like they just started to teeter and spiral out of control to where they basically walked themselves out of the playoffs. And so right. now they have this opportunity to, as you said, rebuild. Is Utah the smartest organization? I will say one of, but again, When's the last time they've been to an NBA Finals? When's the last time they've produced true superstars who, like, when they were playing, people gravitated to the television to watch? We're more focused on John Morant. We're more focused on, you know, what Luka is doing. There's so much in the West that, you know, if they were in the East, I think this would be a different conversation. But they're not. To answer your question, probably the last time – which is sad to say, is probably when John Stockton played. That was yep, probably the last time that – right, that era – I just went with John Stockton because he, he popped my head first. But it's it's the same era of basketball we're talking about, those 80s, 90s. That that area, if you will, that, that time period is approximately probably their, their last time being this relevant or, or rather relevant in general. I mean, yeah. They had a year. I mean, congratulations. In the last five years where they were, you know, making making runs in the playoffs. But, yeah, I, I see exactly I wouldn't call it, it was runs. always a fluke. I would it call it appearances. It's not runs they were in the playoffs. Appearances. They were appearances. It was always a fluke with up. Utah. Yeah. But, again, I look at this and I'm like, yeah, Cleveland, now you have Donovan Mitchell. Now you have Kevin Love. You have Karis LeVert. You know, so let's see how this all shakes out. But for Utah, hey, you know what? You got yourself an opportunity to go get you a, a core nucleus of guys who you feel can work together, be together. But you still have to get yourself to contend with the Golden States of the world, the Lakers of the world, the Clippers of the world, the Mavericks of the world, you know, uh, the the Memphises of the world. You have those five teams. Oh, and I'll, I'll even throw in the San Antonio Spurs because we know what Pop is able to do. Sure. So it's by like, the time, uh, hold on, Eric. By the time yeah. that the Jazz are actually back in relevancy, which would be a long time, Pop will be long gone. Boom, he'll be done. Uh, Steph okay. Curry will be out of the league. He'll be retired. Clay will be retired. Golden State won't be Golden State anymore. This is actually chess when others are playing checkers because you just wait it out until Golden State and Pop and those guys are gone, that's, and that boom, you can get John, that's that relevant again. But, but they, John, but John Morant's going to be there for a minute, John. LeBron James you're, you're still going to have to contend with Memphis. You're going to have to contend with Luka. That's still two teams that you're going to have to contend with. And, and the way that Golden gone. State is set up, yep. John, they're setting Thank themselves you. up for the second coming, okay? Yeah. So Golden State has not – Golden State has I Dynasty see. 1 right now. They're attempting to set up Dynasty number 2 already. They, As I said, they're saying, we got, we got these great players – 
but we're also preparing for the future right now. But as I said, Utah, I agree with what Eric said. That's it'll be a couple important. years before they're any bit of relevancy. And right. once Steph Curry goes, guess what? This is a completely different thing for the Golden no, State not. Warriors. It, okay. Not necessarily. Never this without right. Steph Curry, so we'll see about we got Dynasty this, 2. JT, I'm going to need you to hold this clip. And for a few years, we're going we're gonna to revert <laughs> back to this. When Golden State doesn't miss a beat, after Steph, Clay, Draymond, and everybody else are gone, and this new regime comes in and just remains pace. I need you, JT. the same without Steph Curry, man. We're not saying it's going to be the same. It's not the expectation. Well, the same would be championships, right? No. That's not at all what the same would be. The same would be playing the same style of basketball, scoring the way they score. I'm not saying they're going to do that, but I'm sitting here telling you, and I'm confident, that they have set themselves up for success in the future, where they will continually yes. make the playoffs and be in contention for championships. Absolutely. The way they are well, continuing to set themselves up, Steve Kerr is not going well, anywhere Steve Kerr anytime still soon. know how to coach once Steph Curry's gone. Yes, obviously. I believe so. I don't see why he wouldn't yeah. be able to. Oh, because well, Steph Curry's not there. So? What does that do? Hot take. I it's like Urban Meyer without Tim Tebow. <laughs> Urban like, Meyer oh, couldn't coach, run. John. John, Urban Meyer couldn't coach. That's that's just stupid. He did, he okay. did at John, Florida. you know what? John, John, I'm going to put this. John, State. you know what I'm going to do? John, I'm going to put this in a language you speak. And I am going to say the nicest thing I will ever say. So hold on to this clip, please. This is the I nicest agree. thing I will probably ever say to you, John. Thank you. I may not like the Heat, and I may not like hearing you talk about them, but it's just like Eric Spolstra. Just when he lost D-Wade and LeBron and Ray Allen, he still can coach. He's still got a way to win. So it's the same thing. Good coaches, great coaches, they find a way to win no matter who's on the team. They, you know, they, they can't win with nobody, but if you give them talented players, they will win you games. They will certainly take care of business. So for the first time, I'm saying something nice about the Heat, John. But it's a good example because he lost superstars. He lost a nucleus of superstars, right? They're no longer there. But are the Heat having a problem? Doesn't yeah, look like well, it. I mean, they look like they're just fine. They got new players. They got a new system. I'll Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero is a perfect ball. example of a guy that was just. It's it's an organic player. Like that, just he wasn't Jimmy Butler where he came to the team and he was already established. No, Tyler Hero, perfect example. Warriors are gonna do the same thing. They're gonna have their new guys be just like that, where they're they're just these great players. That a good a good to great coach will take care of business all day. I appreciate you talking about the Heat to end the show. I mean, anytime you talk about you know my Miami Dolphins or Miami Heat no, or maybe the Orioles, you managed you managed to ta- he managed to take the point that was a I believe a solid point to make. And it was a good it was comparison. it was it was a and managed to turn it around and about he him. Deter- and he just killed it. John, it was just. All you had to say was, you know, that's a good point. I like that. I agree with what you're saying. You don't have to talk about your heat. I don't want to hear it. It wasn't meant to be about you. It I thought it was an open me. door. No, it was just meant as a point. John, sometimes I really don't like you. I hey, hope you know that. Hey, you give me an inch, and take a mile. That's yeah. your fault. You truly John, do. You give John, John a city block, he takes a whole entire <laughs> borough. Listen, guys, thank you so much for having me on. You know the deal. Eric Wilson, Sports Arena, Monday Thursday at night, night baby. Eastern. Um, with Again, ruining my thunder, John. He Thank just, you so much for ruining my thunder. Okay? 
just for that, I'm not saying anything till tomorrow night. You want to find out what Thursday night's all about? Check out the Sports Arena tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Eastern, SportsArena1.com, part of the Sideline Sports Network family. Much love to you guys. I'm going to holler at you. Much love, JT. Pleasure. John, I'll see you. Go, son. Bob Ralph, you want to go? Make it quick. Go ahead, JT. Thanks oh, for having me, me you guys. It was a pleasure. Yeah, you're blabbermouth. Oh, yeah, I'm going this time now. Go ahead, JT. I'm going. I'm going. Pretty simple. I'm JT, Sideline Sports. Keep tuning in. Uh, Want to tune mm-hmm. in on my Twitter, Jake Taylor 123 Pretty simple. Love not that. creative at all. All right. Blabbermouth, you got a couple <laughs> seconds. Let's go. Sideline Sports YouTube. Bluehawks 13. Hey, I mean, Sideline Sports is the best damn network in the world. That's all I got to say. All right. Everybody. Just you see across the bottom of your screen, follow us, check us out, and we'll see you next time. Everybody have a good one. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women.